Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to Choreographers of War. My name is Batty. I am joined by my co-host, Rob. Hey guys, this is uh, Rob Harlequin Baker. And we are going to be going over today some of the new toys in our brand new 9th edition Harlequin Codex. I uh, just want to mention that we are working in conjunction with not only the Warhammer 40k, excuse me, the Harlequin subreddit on, on Reddit, Harlequins 40k, that is Harlequins with an S, as well as our community Discord, both of which will be linked in the show notes. And uh, yeah, so I just want to kick us off by saying that we are really excited to talk about this new book. And I just want to give a really quick thank you to everybody who tuned in for our first inaugural episode last week. We had over 100 views last week, which is fantastic, far exceeded our expectations. So thank you to each and every one of you who tuned into that. Seriously, guys, thank you. That was amazing. That was crazy cool. So uh, we're going to get this started with uh, going over our units, I think. So we're going to start with our non-character units because those are a little easier to talk about. Uh, this is going to be our big codex review. Well, part one of our big codex review. Part two is about combos and sadists and putting it all together with episode one and two uh, next in a few weeks. But yeah, exactly. We're, we're going to break this up into two, probably two episodes just to keep everything coherent and not try to give you one giant diatribe about everything that's going on. Try to keep it into like more tangible bites. And it also gives us more time to dive into the minutiae of things that are going to be going on as opposed to trying to fit it all into one, you know, allotted time slot. But as Rob said, we're going to be going over all of our new data slates today, starting with our non-characters. So let's start right at the top of the list and let's talk about our troop choice first. All right, yeah. So first, universal rules. You've got a rising crescendo. That's the one that lets you advance and charge. It's uh, on almost, it's on, uh, I think, everything but boats, which uh, we'll cover those a little later and explain what the, that means when we get to them. And it is on bikes, however, Skyweavers. Uh, it also lets you uh, fall back and shoot or and or charge, both. So it's pretty good. But then the big one, this is the standard on all of our infantry. It's mostly on all our units, like parts of these appear on all our units. It's just that the middle bullet point is a little different. So for Harlequin's Panoply, we have first, models in this unit have a 4 plus and vulnerable save. And then do you want to uh, explain the old flip belts version? What we used to call flip belts? Yeah, so our former flip belts in 8th edition worked effectively... The shorthand is it pretty much gave them a fly without having the fly keyword. They were able to move over terrain and other models as if they weren't there, but more importantly, they were able to move a vertical distance without measuring vertical distance. And that was huge for how our army interacted with physical terrain features and how we actually got around the board, and it was really important for death gestures. But nowadays, the pseudo-flip-belt rule has been kind of amalgamized into Harlequin's Panoply. And Rob, want to go over how the changes came, came about with that rule? Okay, so now we have, in essence, phase, is what I like to call it, or flip-belts. Um, so this is different to fly, and it is truly different to fly. Uh, the way it works is when you're moving horizontally in regular move, in any form of standard movement phase move, except for... Uh, blitzes, which I believe get covered in the Solitaire's data sheet, as well as when you make a charge, you can just move through anything horizontally, as long as you don't end on top of another model or its base. So just like, you have to make a legal, you have to end in a legal state, but you can be in illegal states 
So the big thing is charging on like fly. This allows you to go through terrain during a charge, but it doesn't allow you to freely go vertical. So there's both trade. There's both positives and negatives. But I mean, not if, we're not exactly playing a super 3D game here. Like rarely do you go vertical. I found and I I've tried maps like that and it's just some armies don't have vertical prowess at all and it doesn't work out so this is probably a better rule overall than fly i would say is there still that um is there still that um bit of a uh, miscon- miscommunication going on right now about how the pseudo flip belt rule we have now interacts with dangerous terrain i was just about to get to that yeah when when you hit difficult ground or whatever you want whatever it's called dangerous terrain uh, you still, unfortunately, do suffer the minus two inches to move, and that has never been fixed. Um, it's a very complicated verbiage, but trust me on this. This is the general consensus among uh, major groups like uh, the Goonhammer Rules, Hammer Team, and TOs. So, yeah, it seems kind of counterintuitive. Not a fan of it, but if that's the way it goes, it's the way we yeah. got to play it. You know, it's not it, the end of the world. With all we got, I'm not losing sleep over it. Exactly. Like we still have pretty good mobility. That's you just have to go around forests or craters. All right, and this is our other rule, which is on all of our units, similar to the four plus invulnerable save, but takes different names and has different expanded versions. And it is each time a melee attack is made against this unit, subtract one one from that attack's hit roll. So this is just minus one to be hit in melee. And every Harlequin unit has this now, along with the four plus plus. Those are our two universal defenses. Everything except our boats do. Our boats have a better version. Yes, but we'll get to that in a little bit. That's what I mean, is all of them have this at a minimum. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Understood. Yeah, like, they all have minus one to be hit in melee, and four plus plus. It's just, like, bikes add on something, and boats add on something even more. And then we have Luck of the Laughing God, which actually helps indirectly with defenses, especially when going second. You want to... I feel like Harlequins really like going second now. Um, oh, at 100%. pure Harlequins. And that's Luck of the Laughing God. And mm-hmm. basically... Just roll two dice every turn. As long as they're not doubles, you keep two extra dice, and then you get three base, so that's five dice total, five out of six turns on average. And three dice, no matter how badly you roll. Those are basically command rerolls that don't work on psychic or, uh, I believe, charging. Yeah, we don't get it for charging or psychic rerolls. But you can use it on hit rolls, wound rolls, damage rolls, saving throws, or advance rolls. Yes. But you lose, and they're per battle round. So you do it at the start of the battle round, then they're lost if you have any left at the end of the battle round. So you can get up to, on average, you'll get something ridiculous like uh, 23 dice per game, I think, or something like that. 22 and a sixth, or 22 and a third. I, I'd have to do yeah. the math. But you get a lot yeah, of dice fair. this way. So it's yeah, and there are three rerolls. Yes. <laughs> and when you already have amazing saves, they're very good. Precisely, yeah. As you were alluding to a couple minutes ago, it's it's great, especially with Luffing, Luck of the Laughing God, to go second in the current game structure because you can use your rolls, your luck rolls, as you need them in your opponent's turn to save stuff and protect your army. Then whatever you have left, you can just spend it frivolously to make sure you get the job done. You can blow a couple rolls to save your solitaire. You can blow a couple rolls to save your boats, your bikes, whatever, and then save the last, you know, one, two, whatever you have left over to shore up damage, to make sure you connect with an attack to make sure you get where you need to go everything like that so it, it really does benefit us to have those re-rolls in our back pocket to keep the army safe and then just blow them at the end of our turn because we're going to lose them anyway yeah or just yeah using them for saves and then blowing them for things like damage and shooting 
for advances. I definitely find them good for advances because sometimes you just need that advance roll. Like you need yeah. two when you rolled one and you're like, well, that's a one six chance of failure. Might as well go at it again. I need to thumb through my codex real quick. Do we still have that stratagem that um, makes an auto advance on a six? No. No? That okay, uh, so. is now Craft Worlds. There's a Craft Worlds version, but we don't have one. Got it. Okay, yeah. I, I felt like I remember there being one, but I wasn't sure if it was all Eldari or if it was just Azriani. So now on to uh, players themselves. So you have a lead player. He's identical, except he has a second wound, which makes him great for a blade of wounds. And then you have four to 11 regular players who are, they move eight inches, hit on threes, strength three, T3, one wound, four attacks. So four attacks, eight inch move. That's pretty standard for us. Leadership eight. Yep. Only a six plus base armor save, which isn't great, but hey. That's uh, what we had last time too. So Yeah. Eh. Just don't get your invuln blown up, please. Try, try exactly. to not do that. The big thing is they're base equipped with a Harlequin's Blade, a Shuriken uh, Pistol, and Plasma Grenades. So Plasma Grenades mm-hmm. are the standard D6 Blast Grenades at Strength 4, AP 1, Damage 1 with 6 inch range. Shuriken Pistols are now AP 1, and they have the Shuriken Keyword, which just gives you 2 additional AP if you roll a 6 to wound. So mm-hmm. they're they're pretty good still, I would say. I'm a fan definitely oh yeah yeah that that just that that free ap1 on shuriken pistols is really going to go a long way and it's going to be a bit of an unsung hero and a bit of a theme we're going to talk about a lot with our weapons that we get that little bit of extra oomph in our power that's going to make melee combat much more satisfying and shores up a lot of those kind of wishy-washy trades we used to have to try to balance yeah like harlequin's blades now give you not only an extra attack but they're also ap1 even if they are strength user and they're still free right they're still free, yes. Cool, yeah. So they're just strictly better upgrades to what they were in 8th edition. You get the yeah. extra attack and a, and a free AP. They're still only strength 3, which is, I mean, that's a little tough sometimes. But add that extra attack just for weight of attacks and that generic AP to even shore up against something like orcs is going to go a long way. Yeah, like into Gaunts, they're fine. Yeah. Into orcs, they uh, we're going to cover Harlequin weapons next, but... Uh they hit just as well. So we're going to cover the differences between these three more in depth next time. But yeah. Caress, Embrace, and Kiss are Strength 4, AP 2, Damage 2 base. Yes. And uh, the way our new weapons work is if you're 10 or less people, you can always take a... So no matter how what squad size, you can take a Power Sword on your leader, and then you mm-hmm. can take up to two of each Special pistol and special melee weapon. Now, no, kisses are not special melee weapons. You can always have mass, strength 4, AP 2, damage 2. Correct. There's no restriction on how many Harlequins kiss you can have in your unit. Regardless of size of the unit, every model can have a kiss. But otherwise, you can have two neuro disruptors and two fusion pistols, which in a five-man means you throw, you fire four pistols and throw a plasma grenade, which is really great. We talked about this last episode, that that's a yeah. really potent combo for it, even especially in light, where you can just skirt around the board. Really potent combo. And one of the reasons why we're really not missing fusion boats anymore. And then uh, to keep your builds legal, and to match what's in the box, you get up to two caresses and two embraces. And uh, these key off certain stratagems, which we'll go over next time, along yep. with the kiss. So uh, it's generally my one common build is to have one of each special Harlequin weapon, and then all blades for the rest of the squad. And then yeah. pistols on or off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the big thing is in squads of size 11 or more, you can take four of each special pistol and special melee weapon. Yes. So 
Uh, that's mostly important for the pistols, but it also lets you, you know, use your guys as is, hopefully. How about the changes to, uh, fusion? How Melta is no longer a thing for us anymore. Oh yeah, we're, 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 we're packing heat, as in heat guns, as in we just do plus two damage no matter what. Yes. And, uh, what about neuros? Those are pretty fancy now. Neurodisruptors, and I really relish talking about this because you've been trying to run them for years now, and they're finally good. Neurodisruptors now, they keep their 12-inch range, and they're one shot, but they're now strength 6, AP 3 base with one damage, so they do have a reasonable stat profile just out the gate. They they hit relatively well into the things they're not supposed to hit, but now their special ability says, each time an attack is made with this weapon, if, it, uh, if a hit is scored, unless the target is keyword vehicle, the target unit suffers one mortal wound, and the attack sequence ends. So anything that's not a vehicle, this isn't just infantry anymore, anything that is not keyword vehicle just takes a mortal wound and uh the cool part is all of our pistols even on our characters are five points a pop yes so that's i mean five points to do potentially a couple mortal wounds throughout a game if you do if you stay alive or even just one if you on average of and you can even do uh if you get a single shot off with a basic troop that's still on average 0.66 repeating of course mortal wounds so neuros are pretty good now, I would say. Yeah, I've even, when firing them into vehicles, not felt bad. Exactly. Yeah, even at that strength six, you still have that margin to put them into higher toughness vehicles. But I, I like, like I mentioned, I alluded to before, I really enjoy the fact that this hits everything that isn't vehicles. It hits monsters, it hits bikes, it hits swarms. This thing has a mm -hmm. lot of utility now. It does. Um, so next, uh, I think we want to cover... Do you want to do Skyweavers for us? Yeah, we can talk about Skyweavers. So, the Skyweaver profiles had a little bit of a change, but it's a pretty important one in my opinion. So, the Skyweaver baseline by itself, we still can get two to six per unit, and they do still come standard with their uh, Zephyr Glaive, I'm sorry, with their Star Bolas and their Shuriken Cannons. However, their base profile, their stat lines have changed just a little bit. So their movement is still 16 inches with a weapon skill and ballistic skill of 3+. They are still strength 3, toughness 4. However, they now have 4 attacks base instead of the 3 they got before. Looks like the rider remembered how to swing his sword a little bit better, so we get an extra attack on this boy now. Still three wounds, which I think is fine, personally. Still leadership eight, still four plus invuln. And uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, did it always have a four plus armor, or was or is this a new, uh, better armor stat? Uh, no, they always did. That was in theory. Okay. Uh, the potential use of our really crappy old pivotal role for Shadow Seers was that you could get to three plus save on boats and bikes. Right, right, okay. Yeah, because I remember the boats being four plus, so I just did the, the bikes was eluding me. But, nowadays, we can talk about the weapon profile a little bit differently, where the Shuriken Cannon now has, as we talked about in the last episode, Shuriken is now a heavy 3, strength 6, AP 1, 2 damage with the Shuriken ability, which, as Rob mentioned, is wound rolls a 6, gives an additional 2 AP. And the Star Bolas, our base weapon profile, a base melee weapon, so to speak, is now a brand new, new gun, and it is a whole new world. Still 12 inches. It's an assault D3 shot, which I think it was before. I think it was a D3 as well. However, it was a it was grenade D6. before. It was D6 before. Oh, okay. no, it was D3. Sorry, it was I a thought grenade. so, yeah, because yeah. there's, there's, there's only three the little Harlequin, tines on the, it. I mean, haywire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's, uh, it's assault D3 now instead of grenade D3, which means every model in the unit can throw them. Now strength 7 with a base AP3 and flat 2 damage with blast. This profile is brand new and actually makes the bolus pretty attractive in some list ideas. 
It's important to note, though, the Zephyr Glaive went up a strength, so now it hits that very important strength 5. So on T8, it wounds on a 5, and into a lot of strength, and to, and into T4 and T5, it also wounds with, in essence, plus 1. Exactly, yeah. So the, as Rob was alluding to, the Zephyr Glaive now is strength plus 2, so strength 5, AP2, flat 2. So, again, I still feel like the Zephyr Glaive is probably generally the better choice on your bikes if you can afford the 5 points per model. Even now, if you can't afford it, or if you just want to try something different, the Star Bolas isn't just, like, a strictly worse option to take. It used to be, like, you could put one Bolas on your model to shave off a couple points and throw a free grenade every turn, yada, yada, yada. But having more than one in your unit was actively handicapping yourself, and it's not anymore. You can use all of these per model now, and they can put out some serious firepower at range. Yeah, uh, why don't you tell us about the Skyweaver Mirage Launchers? That's uh, an important change. Yes, it is. So, previously in 8th edition, it was a pretty easy shorthand for us to say that everything on a flying base, both of our uh, boats and our bikes, was minus one to hit and shooting. That's not the case anymore. Now, our Skyweavers have their own proprietary Mirage Launcher, which says, each time an attack is made against this unit, that attack's hit roll cannot be re-rolled. And because it has, uh, ba, 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 ba. Harlequin's mask. Yeah, Harlequin's mask. Thank you. Each time a melee attack is made against this unit, subtract one from the hit roll. So now it's minus one to hit in melee, not shooting, but you can't re-roll any hit rolls against this, against this both in melee and shooting. And that's going to really amp up the survivability on a model that has uh, three wounds, base 4++, plus plus, that's going to be zipping around the board. That really is going to help our survivability. So they're going to be a little bit harder to maintain in shooting, but we still have our lightning fast reaction stratagem. I really like this change personally. Yeah, I'm a huge, and since lightning fast reactions goes down to one command point, it's pretty easy to just throw it away on a unit of five bikes. Like, yeah. I mean, not throw it away, spend it on a unit of five bikes and feel like you got your worth out of it. No, uh, exactly. And we'll be covering that especially uh, next episode. And uh, actually, the weapons will also be covering how they interact with Sadus next episode, because now they're heavy, the ranged weapons. And, yes. And uh, do you want to go over those profiles? Because the Shuriken, especially Shuriken Cannon, uh, is... That's on a lot of stuff, and it's changed for the yes. <laughs> so I mentioned the Shuriken just a couple minutes ago, how it is the Strength 6 AP 1 flat 2 with Shuriken. However, the Skyweaver Haywire Cannon got received a very similar change to how the Haywire now works for Drakari, in that it is now a 24-inch heavy D3 plus 1. So you're guaranteed at least two shots per cannon out of this thing, which I'm not a... Not really against. I kind of I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, you went from average three point five to average three, but now. Yeah, no. So I I now now we don't have the the D six shots from from each one, which kind of has a bit of a feels bad. But as we mentioned in the previous episode a little bit, I'm really a big fan of how they're really starting to take away the variance in all of our swingy dice rolls and make things more consistent. Mm-hmm. But this weapon's profile now is now going to be Strength 3, AP 3, D3 damage. Still a fairly respectable weapon profile. The Strength 3 is a little bit of a feels bad because it doesn't work pretty well into anything non-vehicle because it kind of just bounces off of it. Yeah, I actually found that wounded on a 5-plus against Elite Infantry is pretty useful, especially with the AP 3 damage D3. Like, it does neuter your shots statistically, but you still, once you hit, once you wound, you're, you're, you're doing damage, man. Oh, for sure, yeah, and if you can really stack weight of fire on these things, if you're getting, 
even just a minimum of two, you know, you get about two, two and a half shots per bike. If you've got a five-man unit of those coming out, of, uh, coming out, you're still firing like 14, 15 shots. And if you can get blast off, that's uh, 15 minimum. Yeah, no, exactly. And so you're, you're hitting, you're getting probably five of those through with AP3, D3 damage. You're really hurting some terminator equivalents anything of that of that uh that paradigm that's really going to be struggling against this even with that baseline strength uh three but the new ability profile is as rob mentioned it has blast and each time an attack is made with this weapon against a vehicle unit an unmodified wound roll of four plus is always successful and an unmodified wound roll of six inflicts d3 mortal wounds on on the target in addition to any normal damage so this kind of reworks the old haywire ability where it used to be wound rolls of fours did a mortal wound in addition to any other applicable damage and wound rolls of six did d3 mortals in addition to applicable damage this one took that down just a little bit and now we have wound rolls of fours just automatically succeed so it's not the mortal they still have a chance to save it and they still have the chance to kind of bite back but we still keep that wound rolls of six do d3 in addition to and they're AP3, yeah, damage D3, so a lot of things are going to be on a 6-up save or no save, and uh, damage D3 means even against damage minus 1, you can potentially do 2 damage now. So. Well, yeah, exactly. That, that's that's a, a big unsung hero of this weapon profile is that with a flat damage D3, even though they have a chance to save it, the damage multiplier in and of itself stacked on top of that native uh, AP3 is really going to give us a lot of flexibility in how much damage we can throw, even though they have the chance quote-unquote chance to save it and the last thing i want we can touch on with skyweavers just before we move on from its profile is that it does still have that ride the wind ability which gives it an auto advance of six inches so these things are zooming across the board when you need them to with a maximum of 22 inches without any sort of uh, psychic support all right so uh i'll help cover star weavers now so first off still 80 points per model uh otherwise their base profile is the same but um, the big thing is they get the upgraded shurikens, so they're mm-hmm. now they gain an AP and a damage while still having six shots on two weapons. But their big thing, first off, they're now proper hovering. So like, uh, and they finally got the wording right. They finally did it. I'm so <laughs> proud of GW. It took them so long, and we all played it this way, so it doesn't actually matter because exactly. nobody reads what GW says in there. Exactly. We all just know how hovering works, okay, GW. Yeah. You don't need to tell us. We just play it the right way, no matter what you write. But this time they wrote, almost right, so it's a little wrong still, but distances are measured to and from this model's hole or base, whichever is closest, Mm -hmm. which is basically how it's played. Like, usually we do the downward projection thing, but these things aren't very high up, so that has minimal effect. Yeah. And then they're still open-topped, they still have Ride the Wind for the 6-inch advance, but their big thing is, you want to read us uh, the Mirage launchers? The sexy. Dirty Mirage launchers. Yep, so th- this ability is, is uh, proprietary both to the Starweaver and the Voidweaver, which we'll cover next. But the Mirage launcher, each time an attack is made against this model, subtract one from the attack's hit roll, and that attack's hit roll cannot be re-rolled. The rage it induces, like, ma- Marines Marines are mad, man. Oh, yeah. Tower mad. Everybody is mad at us over this. Yeah, we, we are really going to be making Marines cry with this, with, with all the new abilities we have. How, how ubiquitous damage 2 is across our profile, just invalidating Primaris. Oh, it's so delicious. And uh, still, note, though, it still doesn't have uh, the crescendo. Yes. And so it still has some complications if it wants to fall back. Generally, yeah. it doesn't want to do that, or you have to get out before it falls back, and so on and so forth. But uh, 
Still, six transport. It's once again the best unit in the game as it was during uh, early pre Drukari ninth edition. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, this thing is just bonker. Okay, it might actually only be the second best unit in the game now because that's how good Void Weavers are. Batty, tell me about the Void Weavers. I love Void Weavers. No, I don't. I actually think they're too strong. But I absolutely. That's how strong change. they are. I'm like, they're too strong, man. I can't spam them. I'd feel bad. The second we found out about these changes, I went online and I bought three more boats to shore up having nine boats just to have the, the coverage I needed. But I just bought my ninth boat. Well, I'm about <laughs> to pick it up next week, but uh, I got it them to reserve it off the shelves for me. So. Yep. And one last thing I'll touch on before we hit the Void Weavers, just, and this ties into the Void Weavers as well, but the Mirage Launcher is minus one to hit in both combats, not just shooting anymore. Previously, Star Weavers and Void Weavers are very susceptible to melee damage because their previous Mirage Launchers only applied in shooting. This one applies in both. It's but... nasty, man. Oh, and we didn't cover it, but Sky Weavers are core, so that's yes. important. Yes, Troops that, that's don't say they're core important. in the... I think they fixed this in the Collector's Edition, but I haven't gotten mine yet to confirm. I... Actually, it does not fix that in a collector's edition. <laughs> oh my gosh. Come on, GW. You're killing me here. <laughs> but yes, bikes and we are overly assuming troops are going to be core. So bikes being core is really important because you've got some utility with stuff like Twilight Pathways and... Um, we'll you know, get all the other generic... Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll touch on that uh, next time once we get to our psychic powers. But onto the Void Weaver. So, the Void Weaver is one of the units in our codex that's probably gotten some of the most changes. I mean, probably the most changes out of the book, honestly. And My it gosh, is now a. Oh, honestly, th this thing went from zero to hero in a hot minute. This thing used to be a meme at best, and now it's become a literal staple in, almost, in virtually every Harlequin list you could conceive. But to talk more about why that happened, we're going to start with its stat line. So it's still a Void Weaver. Still moves 16 inches with a weapon and ballistic skill of 3+. Still strength and toughness 5. None of that's really changed. Still 6 wounds. It's got 4 attacks in combat. Didn't the boats used to have 3 attacks in combat? Yep, they gained an attack. Yeah, hell yeah, moving up in the world. Um, leadership 8 for whatever that matters, and a 4-plus armor save. Boats always had a 4-plus, which is cool, but these things are now squattable up to 3 units per squ or three models per unit, I should say. That is huge for their viability and their playability. Yep, you can take 9 of them now. That's just like, ugh. And they're just a disgusting 90 points. Yeah, yeah for a, a measly 90 points, regardless of the weapon choice you choose, these things are an absolute steal. And the reason that is, is because the new hotness right now is the Prismatic Cannon. So this, model, uh, this weapon has two profiles, down from the three from before, but when you see what these profiles are, you're not going to miss the old profile. I miss it. I promise you. So it now has either the Focused Lance profile, which is still 36 inches, Heavy 2, Strength 12, AP 4, 2d3 damage so this thing is going to be popping a lot of heavy armor and doing a lot of work for you at range and cracking open those hard to open shells that harlequins have usually relied on fusion pistols to do but the prismatic cannon is really picking up the slack from as we mentioned before the loss of fusion boats the prismatic is really picking up that slack mm -hmm. it's how you uh crack tanks now well okay, yeah, you crack tanks with haywire still but it's how you crack, uh, I guess, uh, crushers, crushers. Crushers. Yeah, it's how you crack non-vehicle, you know, toughness. Mm -hmm. It's how you get through crushers. It's how you get through, you know, Titanics. It's how you're going to get through Primarchs. All that good stuff. So uh, the other profile on this weapon is going to be the Dispersed Pulse, which is still 36 inches. Heavy 3d3. Really interesting shot profile. Strength 5, AP 3, damage 1 with blast. 
This profile was going to be fantastic at mulching. Most of the uh, infantry in the game is going to be a real terror for Tyranids, Sisters, Orcs, pretty much everything. I mean, even Primaris and, and Marines, it's going to have a really nice shot into those. Interestingly, when we're talking about Marines, the Voidweaver Haywire Cannon is also really good at a... It's a special Haywire Cannon that absolutely eats Terminators for breakfast. At 24 inches only, unfortunately. Still the same still same Haywire style as the other weapon. So, uh, 4 plus just wounds vehicles no matter what. And six pl- a 6 to wound deals D3 bonus mortals. But it's at strength 4, not 3. And it's at damage flat 3 instead of damage D3. So it literally, every successful wound brings a Terminator to its invulnerable save with the AP3. I absolutely love this weapon profile. its I, I don't want to say it's a shame, but the Prismatic Cannon is so good at what it does that it, it's almost an auto-pick in the way the game is going right now, especially with how few vehicles there are in the meta right now. But yep. this profile is absolutely wonderful against vehicles and infantry alike. Like, if we didn't have the Prismatic Cannon, I'd be okay bringing three Void Weavers just to bring this Prism Cannon. Like, this, or Haywire Cannon. <laughs> the Haywire Cannon on the Skyweaver is just, it's so good. But unfortunately, the Prism Cannon's even, unfortunately, I say. I know, the Prismatic I know. Prismatic Cannon is even better. Now, I'm not quite the math whiz that you are, that some of our other, uh, you know, friends and users are but do you think the haywire would have been the i don't want to say the go-to but do you think that the race would have been a lot closer if we were still in like a gray knights heavy meta with dread knights and so the interesting thing about the haywire now is it is pretty good into vehicles with invulns and if they have minus one damage it still does two flat which is pretty good now exactly so i mean it definitely has an opportunity there but if i remember right nemesis dread knights are t6 so the Prism Cannon is actually pretty good in them. Now, if we were in, say, a Lemon Rust meta, mm. I might actually take the Haywire. Yeah. Yeah, we could see this uh, this paradigm of ours shift pretty heavily, depending upon what the, the Guard Codex brings us in, you know, 15 or 20 or years like, when it eventually comes. if Tau, you know, start bringing three Hammerheads to counter us or something weird like that. Yeah. No, exactly. Or three Storm Surges. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. Tau decides randomly the three storm surges is the way to go. But moving on to the actual uh, abilities of the Void Weaver, some of them we're going to see recycled over from the Sky Weaver as well as from the Star Weaver. But it still has Luck of the Laughing God, so you're allowed to bring that with this vehicle. Invulnerable save of four up, like the rest of the army. Uh, much like our Star Weavers now, this now has hovering, which me- measures the model from the hull or the base, whichever is closest. That helps with the squatting because, you know, we've yes. got awkward shapes, so you don't, exactly. you still want to tessellate, as uh, I've seen people refer to it, and that's uh, a great name because they do look like triangles. So yeah. tessellate your Void Weavers, please, and yeah, your Star Weavers. You want to get, get them in there, be nice, nice and compact. Uh, look that word up if you don't know what it means. It's a really cool idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is a word, a word of the day from you. Courtesy word of, of the day, Quince. yeah. And it's got Ride the Wind for that uh, eight inch, six inch, I mean, advance. I wish it had eight inch advance. That would be killer. 24 Oh my inch. God. Oh my God. That oh. would be, oh, that would be so good. And then <laughs> the Mirage launchers on this baby, always minus one to hit, just like everybody, just like, including in range. So minus one to hit in melee and range. And no hit rerolls. This baby just says no to hit rolls. <laughs> just don't get hit, guys. It's easy. 
So that that was a, a very yeah. subtle thing that we talked about that we didn't really touch on a whole lot when we were really kind of digging into this. These are minus one to hit in melee and shooting now. It yeah. didn't really click on me that the flying bases were also minus one to hit in melee. Our that's whole gonna, army is it's beautiful. Yeah, that's going to be bad. As in badass. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And finally, just rounding out the abilities, it explodes onto six, like everything else does, but only does one mortal wound, so the casualties are going to be low. You're not really going to be putting this thing in engagement range much where you're going to want to try making it auto-explode, but God forbid you got stuff around it, it's at least minimizing the, uh, the impact, especially if they're squatted, because you're going to have at least two other boats in explosion range, which is nice. Although you only hit the unit once. You don't hit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing weird going on if you have two left, so. Oh, yeah, my point just being there's more points of contact that there's going to be something. Oh, that is true, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the Void Weaver is, th this thing got the glow up of the century, as you said before. This thing went from being a, you know, a potential magnetization option. You know, you magnetize your boats to be a Void Weaver, like, just in case. And now we've hit that just in case point where those of us who did are thankful that we did. Mm -hmm. Because these things are absolute powerhouses on the field. Uh, right this now. weekend, so excited. Yep, yeah, I just got my 7th through ninth boat in last week, and I'm getting them primed and painted up this weekend, and I'm glad I did, because these things are, they're hard to find now. Everybody's looking to snatch them up because of this, because of this Void Weaver change. Now, speaking of hard-to-find units with glow-ups, what about those uh, Death Jesters? I'm loving those new guys. Those guys oh, are... Yeah. Uh... You and I have so, been ranting and raving all over the Discord, all over chat about how much we love our Death Jesters. Why don't you dive into exactly what kind of glow up he got and why we're loving him so much? Okay, so first off, I think this guy, I believe he gained one attack too. So he's at five he attacks did. now from his old four. But the big thing is, and this is going to sound really minor at first, but in melee, he hits at strength four, AP one, damage one. But uh, we're going to cover pivotal roles for characters as well, and you'll see why that matters a little later. So, five attacks, hitting on two in melee, at strength four, AP one, damage one, base. But he also shoots three times with two plus to hit, at strength, with 30 inch range now, instead of 24. At strength six, AP two, not AP one, AP two, damage nope. two. He does not, ha and it's shuriken, so it goes up to AP four on a roll of six to wound. And each uh, time you select a target, you can ignore Lookout Sir. And every time you kill a model, including in melee with your Jester's Blade, it counts as two destroyed models for morale purposes. Yep, so that yep. means this guy's potentially killing eight guys, just base, with eight attacks in theory per turn. Each one of those counts as two models, so even Custodes are fleeing if you somehow have a Custode as squad. Okay, you're <laughs> killing eight Custodes. Oh, we got to make it happen. I don't, care if, I don't care if you have to soup to do it and start bringing, you know, hemlocks and God knows what else. We got to make that happen. Okay. I need Point. to see a custodius flee because we have that stratagem too where we can make them run away. Yes. Okay. So anyways, you do, you do, you, you mess up leadership pretty bad with this guy and he still ignores lookouts. So he's still a sniper. And once again, strength six AP two damage two though with three shots at range. So even at range, he's pretty deadly. And at base 30 inch range and ranged, he's good at both. Yeah, and at base 30 inch range at that, he got yeah. the upgrade from uh from the from the pivotal role from before just stapled onto his character now, which is great. Yep. He still has rising crescendo for the uh, so he's always engaged. He's always shooting no matter what. He doesn't need to be able to shoot in combat to back out, shoot you and then charge you again. 
He's got Luck of the Laughing God, so he's rolling those dice if he needs to assassinate a character. Rerolling, rather. And he's still got the Harlequin's Panoply. He's got that 4 plus invuln, you know, moves through stuff, minus one to hit him melee. But uh, the cool thing is he's got his pivotal rules, right? So I'm going to go, uh, do you want to go, uh, want to bring us through the pivotal rules? Yeah, I can do that. While I do, and while I frantically flip through my codex to find them, I just want to mention the, uh, like, just the, we, we used this word before, but the act, the aggressive glow-up that the Shrieker Cannon got, not only did it get that boost to its, um, AP and to its damage, like other shuriken weapons did, but it retained its assault profile, so even if you're not light, this guy is still aggressively shooting on the move. You know, yeah, shuriken the cannons... we have that does that. Yeah, shuriken cannons all got, you know rebalanced into heavy weapons. The Shrieker Cannon didn't. So this guy's firing and moving the whole time through. Oh yeah, I love this guy. And I I really genuinely appreciate how both of his profiles, the Shuriken and the Shrieker profile, kind of got rebalanced and rolled into one profile. It's just cleaner and it feels better. You it no does. longer have to choose between two, like, 70% strength profiles. You, you can just use the one good one every time. Yep, Death Jester's always on now. He never, exactly. he never turns off. He just goes hard all day, every day. Exactly, exactly. Because even so, you almost... Especially with, you know, the advent of Primaris Marines and multi-wound infantry, you mm -hmm. frequently wanted to fire the one-shot profile into infantry units, into squadable units, just for that reliable damage, and you never really ended up using the three-shot profile just because it was... meh. Yeah, I would, but, uh, I would do the auto three shots on the, uh, the... I would combine that with the Relic for the Strength 8 exploding... I, I did all kinds of shenanigans, actually, but it was definitely, uh... The preferred was the uh, big one, yeah. But those are combos of a bygone era. And yes. <laughs> we are going to be diving into our pivotal roles now for the Death Jester. And not only do these have some of the best abilities in our in our codex, especially as far as pivotal roles go, they have arguably some of the best names. There's one, maybe two, that can contend with these, but these are all fantastic names. <laughs> First and foremost, for our pivotal roles for the Death Jester, we are looking at... Uh, Harvester of Torment. So this one says, each time this model makes a ranged attack, an unmodified hit roll of six scores three additional hits. That's four hits per six, baby. Exactly. Four. And Rob is going to talk about some of the idiosyncrasies of this ability and exactly just how much you can exploit it and how crazy you can make the Death Jester, but you're going to be seeing these in virtually every list you can find. In fact, we were just talking in the uh, Discord today about some lists that were popping up from tournaments this past weekend. I was really surprised and disappointed how many lists I saw that didn't have one of these guys in it. Yeah, so we're going to go over, once we get to the Warlord traits, you're going to learn that Harvester of Torment combos really well with one of the Warlord traits for an average oh, yeah. of about 8 hits mm -hmm. per, uh, per turn. 8 hits per turn. Yeah, you only fire 3 times. But you're orc-like, so now you're, you're making those massive hit counts. And uh, actually, let me read you. <laughs> I love this one. So the, these have even amazing fluff. So the fluff for this one is just amazing. And so the harvester drank in the agonies of his foe. His firearm seeming a dirge as he played it from side to side. The enemy falling before him in droves. So this guy's like a noise marine or something. Just like rocking out on his uh, uh, <laughs> shrieker cannon. Just, like, annihilating the foe. That's, like, that's where Slanesh comes from, right here. This guy was, like, half the reason Slanesh was born. <laughs> isn't there a, a, there, there isn't a mask that is particularly targeted at the orcs, is there? Um, so there are 
there's at least one mask that will steal orcs and send them into combat for themselves. That's but I don't think they had any rules in the old one. I think they were one of the... Uh, well, I mean, rules is the... one thing. I mean, even in the fluff, is there any mask that is specifically targeted against the orcs? No, the like, only uh, people like... who have a specific mask targeted against them are the Necrons. Everybody yeah. else is basically just versions of anti-chaos, although there is the Eastern Rim mask, Frozen Stars, who are, I guess you could say, the anti-Tau mask, yeah. because the Tau are in the Eastern Rim. But... Yeah, that's more just like by proximity it's not yeah that's actual, just because like, they yeah. happen to be you know the eastern rim is where a lot of stuff happens in the lore because there's a big necron dynasty there there's a big there's all the tau so like a bunch of every army has like at least one specific faction that's based there i think more or less I'm, I'm not gonna dwell on this because we gotta move on but i just have yeah. this vivid <laughs> image in my head of this death jester just holding up a trigger canning just mockingly going daka 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 as it's firing <laughs> off 15 shots <laughs> Just, like, bullets appear in next to other bullets. Like, the bullets split into four. Yeah. Just, like, oh. But moving on to the next pivotal role that you're going to see in, especially right now in the meta we're in, you're going to see in every Harlequin list. I mean, every list, even in Dark, but especially outside of Dark, is the Lord of Crystal Bones. This mm. role says... Each time this model shoots, if any hits are scored, unless the target is a vehicle or monster unit, until the start of your next turn, you both subtract two inches from the movement characteristic of models in that target unit to a minimum of zero, which is hilarious. And the target unit cannot fire Overwatch or set to defend. So basically, this is your turn off Overwatch, make uh, Death Guard, except it doesn't work against Death Guard Terminators, but it, 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 unfortunately, it only worked against them for a few months uh, back in uh, early 9th, but against, like, any slow you, like, against 5-inch move, uh, I mm -hmm. think Scarab Occult Terminators are 5-inch moves, you get them I down so, to yeah. 3 inches. Yeah. 3 inches! Wasn't this the old Harvester of Torments? Yes, this is the, uh, er, uh, no, we had two that sounded similar. This was, okay. I don't think this was, I think Tor Torments is still Torments. Mm. It's, or Harvester is still, but we had two that sounded similarly ghastly. And I now gotcha, we instead yeah. have Crystal Bones, which is still pretty cool. Oh, hell yeah. But, so I've got my 8th edition codex in front of me, but I don't have the uh, the White Dwarf here, so I can't like look at names. And, and I stuff, can't look but... it up in the app anymore, because it's no it's longer gone. valid rules. So I'd have to go find my version of White Dwarf. <laughs> but yeah, you are going to be finding this this pivotal role in virtually every Harlequin list right now, just because the Death Jester is generically good. Yeah, this is your second Death Jester outside of Dark, for sure. Oh, 100%. But mostly because, especially as of this recording, Tau is extremely prevalent in the meta right now, and with their ability to circumvent and use Overwatch so freely, turning off Overwatch on whatever we want is so valuable at just a click from 30 uh, I'm supposed to say 30 meters, from 30 inches away. <laughs> this is a really valuable profile to have just in your back pocket, and generically, even if you're up against a matchup, you know, if you're playing in a tournament you don't know who you're playing, just a generically good ability to have because you slow somebody down, or they can't set to defend in case you're trying to soften somebody up for a charge. Speaking of uh, melee and charging, Rift Ghoul, uh, why, why don't you tell us how that works? Because that was part of why I was so excited about our new attack. Oh, I know you are. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to read the abilities but I'm going to let you take over from there. I'm going to read the words but it's all you after that. So um <laughs> Each time this model makes an attack, the target does not receive the benefit of cover against that attack, and on an unmodified wound roll of 4+, that attack inflicts one mortal wound on the target in addition to normal damage. So, so 
Yeah, this guy in melee, he can do two me- two damage per attack, potentially, one of which is a mortal wound. So he's potentially doing, if you roll, if you rolled, like, bonkers, this guy could do nine damage, including three mortal wounds at ranged, and ten yep. damage, including five mortal wounds in melee. If you were Twilight, that could be twelve. You could... We're going to get to it, but there's also a relic you can combine with this just for extra mm-hmm. mortal wounds shenanigans. Yep. Like, it's not really necessary, but if you really like your mortal wounds, this guy's taking out a pack of Gretchen solo every turn. <laughs> or if you're like us and you love to just put together, like, memorable meme combos, this is probably at the top of your list. This is the first oh. one that makes you go, oh, I gotta try that, just for yeah. the experience. You know, we, we talked about in the other episode where you can one-shot a knight with a solitaire in 8th edition, and you're like, oh, I gotta try that at least once. This is that combo for this codex. Yep, uh, Death Judges in general, because Harvester also, like, once you get those 12 shot, once you get that 12 shot turn, you just never... What's even crazier is you get that 12 shot turn, like, twice per six round tournament on average or something ridiculous like that like yeah three times i forget the exact math but it's multiple times per six round tournament you'll get a 12 hit turn from your uh death jester with harvester of torment once once you give him a certain warlord trait which uh, yeah so i i was just playing with dice the other night just kind of sitting there watching tv and just throwing dice in my dice tray you would be shocked to see how many times and of course i was accounting for um uh, Bladestorm, because I was memeing, but you'd be shocked <laughs> how many times I got more than 10 hits out of this guy. With Bladestorm, like, I was genuinely surprised. Yes. As we'll, yeah, uh, but... we'll cover that more in depth uh, next week, but uh, exactly. that is the real meme when you want to just go all out with this buddy. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, speaking of guys who go all out, why don't you tell us about the, uh, the Solitaire? Oh, the solitaire. So anybody who knows me knows how much I love my solitaire, knows how much I will find any excuse to put him back on the tabletop, and I'm mm-hmm. very proud to say that he is back. Now, he's not restored to his former glory of being the end-all, be-all melee missile of, you know, of all time, but he is still worth his points in the list again, and I'm really happy to have him back in my list. So starting with his profile, he's still, you're still only allowed to take one, but he's still... Uh, got with a 12-inch movement with a weapon and strength. A uh, weapon and uh, he has a ballistic skill of two up, which is odd. But he's a weapon <laughs> and ballistic skill of two plus. But he's been moved up to strength and toughness four. And we'll touch on more of that in just a second as we dive into minutia of him a little bit. But he's still got five wounds with a base of eight attacks, nine leadership, which is kind of cool, and a six plus armor save, which is common. But now his melee weapon stats. Previously, he was equipped with both a Harlequin's Caress and a Harlequin's Kiss. You got to pick which weapon you wanted to use, and you usually picked, you know, one or the other. And, you know, given how prevalent it was to put... uh, Kegarax rose on him for such a long time, it was always the kiss. But now, he just has a single weapon profile called Solitaire's Weapons, that is strength plus two, so we're calling that strength six, with AP three flat two damage. And this profile is ripe for mulching most infantry in the game, and we'll talk about some of the combos and some of the idiosyncrasies you can execute to further beef his damage. But diving into his abilities a little bit deeper oh, before we go into of those. That. Yeah. Uh, Go on. He still has the Harlequin's Caress and Harlequin's Kiss. Yep. I was just going to get to that Keyword. as well. Uh, Correct. So as, as we talk about what those mean and, and, what the, and how the stratagems work, he does have access to both of those stratagems at a click. You're probably not going to use a Harlequin's Kiss stratagem all that much, to be honest with you, unless you just really need that ablative mortal wound. But 
Him having the Harlequin's caress keyword is a big deal. And since we're talking about his abilities, he does have Har Harlequin's panoply. He has Luck of the Laughing God and Rising Crescendo. So he's able to fall back and charge. He gets his, his invuln. He gets all of his shenanigans like every other Harlequin does. He also has his impossible form, which gives him the three-up invuln instead of a four-up invuln. Ironically, he does technically have two invulnerable saves. He technically has a three-up and a four-up, though you obviously can't use both of them. But... He all, now, he now has the new ability, which is Path of Damnation. He had this ability before, but it's been reworked and reworked a little bit. That this model can now no longer have a Relic or a Warlord trait. Previously, it was just a Warlord trait, and now he can't have a Relic either. Kind of sad, but with his new current weapon profile, I'm really not missing giving him Harl or, uh, Kegorak's Rose. It would have been nice to give him something like um, Fractal um, Fractal Storm, or giving him... Um, I'm sorry, that's, well, that's a Warlord trait, but the um, Stormus Raiment, it would have been nice to give him the Suit of Hidden Knives, you know, stuff like that would have been great, but... Yeah, but he's basically got a relic in his weapon, and he's... Precisely. He's tough like Phoenix Lord, like a Phoenix Lord. <laughs> no, no, he's tough like Phoenix Lord, just like strong like Bull. Yes. 12-inch <laughs> move. Exactly, and to add to his movement, we can now talk about the Blitz movement that he still retains from 8th edition. Once per battle in your movement phase, increase... Oh, I'm sorry. Instead of making a normal move, this model can make a Blitz move. If it does so, until the end of the turn, add 2d6 inches to this model's move characteristic and add 2 to this model's attack characteristic. So, Rob, do you want to explain a little bit deeper about how a Blitz move interacts with the rules of the game compared to a normal move and so on and so forth? Okay, so... You don't get an advance when you blitz move, just like the old version. Correct. Uh, well, after the FAQ to the old version. Originally, you could. You also uh, can't blitz if you fell back. Uh, so you can't fall back and then blitz. I think you can get out of a vehicle, if you could get into vehicles. You can't. But if they change that, you can get out of a Star Weaver. <laughs> yeah. If they let you get into Star Weavers at some point, you can get out of a Star Weaver and uh, blitz. But right now, you can't get into Star Weavers, so it's kind of a moot point. Um... I think uh, you can't deep strike and blitz. You can't come out of strategic reserves and blitz either. Because you don't get to choose your move when you come out of strategic reserves. So basically, yeah, I, I believe you just, only if you yeah. can make an absolutely standard normal move could you blitz. Yeah, and I so believe strategic deploying that. is a movement type, correct? Um. So strategic deploying counts you as having made a normal move, but you don't yes, actually exactly. make a normal move, so you can't make something in place of the normal move. It yeah, works. it automatically chooses your movement for you, effectively. Yeah, so that's, that's less than ideal. Um, he's so solid. I found, like, I, there have been games where I didn't get a blitz, and I still fought with him two or three times in between heroic intervention and, like, a fallback move. Yeah. I fought with him twice one game, and he felt great. Because uh, you can strategize him, as we'll cover... Yeah, well, especially now, with like, even the slightly smaller board size plays to our our advantage compared to 8th edition, but you can often find yourself just kind of skulking around for the first two turns, just kind of, you know, dipping him around to, I don't want to say random, but like, obscure, out-of-the-way places for the first couple turns, and then once your opponent's army starts to open up into pockets and starts to give you avenues of, of attack, just sending him forward, and then kind of repeating the process for maybe the last like two or three turns and you really don't need the blitz you might end up doing it just for the free extra like two attacks but the movement's kind of kind of a, unnecessary at that point yeah movement i've often found is only if you're making like a real lawn go 
And then you have to rely on the fact that you've got 4d6 and you can only reroll two of the d6 because you can't even lock the blitz dice, for example. So, like, it's great. And I do love having the extra attacks, but like, oh, one of the cool things though, if if you suicide him with blitz and your opponent kills him, uh, he does keep the two attacks. Uh, if you mm-hmm. fight on death with a stratagem, as we'll cover uh, next time. Yes. So you can get him to strength seven and eleven attacks in one turn. Uh, technically, I think I think that's the max you can get on him because I don't believe he qualifies for the other stratagem, which would allow him to get to strength eight and twelve attacks. They saw yeah. us trying to do that. They were on to us. They knew about our bullshit. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so as Rob was <laughs> referencing, just so you guys can keep track at home, the stratagem we can use on him is called No Price Too Steep. The stratagem we can no longer use on him is Torments of the Fiery Pit. One of the reasons we can't do that, aside from tr- Torments specifically stating you can't be used in the Solitaire, is uh, and some of the reasons we're limited in a lot of the interactions we have with the Solitaire, and that we'll talk about in a, in a couple seconds, is that the Solitaire no, lo- no longer has a Sadith keyword. So much like an 8th edition when Solitaire retroactively gained the mask keyword, it now lost it again effectively, where it doesn't interact with the rest of your army. It doesn't benefit from auras. It cannot go in transports, as Rob mentioned before. It cannot be the target of, I don't think, any psychic powers. Yeah, I don't think it can be uh, targeted, because I think all the psychic powers require uh, a proper target. Uh, yeah, if that makes sense. And it's also limited on how many stratagems we can use with it too, because I mean, well, I mean, there's still several because they still include core or they, they include characters, but you know, it's not core. It doesn't benefit from the Sadith specific stratagems, obviously, because it's not the Sadith. It doesn't get the Sadith passive buff, which is probably for the better anyway, because AP four solitaires would be. Yeah, I would, I would like me an AP four sub, but like the cool thing is, everyone can fight on death with their solitaire. Exactly. And it's because of the way the stratagem strong yeah. characters so that is the one like you do get a little bit and he doesn't have a ranged weapon but he does get blitz so he kind of has like a l- pseudo light effect and he has a bazillion attacks like twilight so he kind of has this feel of being similar to all the sadists without actually being part of a sadist <laughs> exactly and once we as we're about to get into the pivotal roles that he has you can find yourself shoring up some of those shortcomings that might have come with a sadist that you kind of find yourself balancing those out as far as movement as far as durability because the sadist that he has uh starting first and foremost with our personal favorites and what we believe is most likely going to be the most powerful one for the foreseeable future unless things like dramatically change is prince of sins now this one hmm a, my favorite name in all the codex, but B, uh, what it says is each time an attack is made against this model, subtract one from the attack's hit roll, that is in melee and in shooting, and the attack's hit roll cannot be re-rolled, again, in melee and shooting. Now, the, Har- the, the Solitaire is base minus one to hit in combat thanks to Harlequin's Panoply, just as it is. It cannot be, um, cannot be moved to a minus two in match play, however, that will give you the opportunity to negate any plus ones your opponent might have, which are definitely abundant out there for us to, to trample on. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Personally, the inability to reroll hit roll is the real kicker there because this thing can yeah, get mowed go, down. You you make your enemy go from potentially two pluses, say rerolling ones as space wolves, mm-hmm. to four pluses, no rerolls. That is like basically halving their hit rate. 
Exactly, and that's a fair fair uh, point too. That this thing is also minus one to hit and shooting now, thanks to this ability. Normally it was not. Now it is, which mm-hmm. is going to increase the survivability. You know, being minus one to hit and shooting, no ability to reroll, minus one in combat, three plus invulnerable with luck dice to keep it moving. It does have luck of the laughing god, so you can use your luck dice on it. It's this thing is going to be super hard to kill. Not to mention just generically being T4. So bolters are now wounding on fours, and you know it's it's really going to be a tough cookie to crack. And like I said, I, I think Princess Sins is going to be the go-to role in the solitaire for the foreseeable future. But we're going to go over the other two just so we know what they are, and we can talk about how they're going to be utilized further. All right, yeah. So I'll cover Spectre of Despair. This is the second one for solitaires. During deployment, you must quote must 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 set up this model mm-hmm. hunting the foe instead of setting it up on the battlefield. That means in the reinforcement step of one of your movement phases, you can then set this model up anywhere on the battlefield that is more than nine inches away from any enemy models. Basically, you always deep strike. Always. Yeah. This is like the old Incarn from like way back at the start of 8th edition. Mm-hmm. But each time a charge roll is made for this model, roll one additional d6 and discard one of the dice. So you're always making 3d6 charges, not just when you deep strike. The old version only worked when you uh, t- was a teleport, if I remember right, and only worked when you teleported. Or, well, it's still a 2d6, it's just got yeah. insurance. Yeah, the old version was 3d6. Yeah, it's still 2d6. It's 3d6, drop the lowest. Or so. technically it's drop whichever dice you want. So if you want to yeah. meme on your opponent real hard, you can say, hey, look, I rolled a seven. Forget that five. <laughs> <laughs> you can choose not to make your charge, I guess. You, you, you really just clown want. on your opponent a little harder. But, <laughs> yeah, effectively, you're going to be just playing the lowest dice. That would be like really, that would be, that would be rude. Okay, we're not, we're, that would be bad sportsmanship, guys. We don't, don't condone don't, DMing in this don't channel. Don't DM, yeah. All right, so tell us about Thirsting Darkness. Thirsting Darkness, the final uh, pivotal roll for the Solitaire, says that each time this model advances, do not make an advance roll. Instead, until the end of that phase, add six inches to the move characteristic of this model. And each time this model piles in or consolidates, this model can move an additional three inches. So it effectively auto-advances six, and it gets a six-inch consolidate. So it kind of gives you the Twilight buff for free of that extra consolidate, and gives you that auto-advance just as a bonus, which is which is nice. It's great for repeated maneuverability instead of just the one-shot cannon that Blitz will give you. It, well, I mean, in addition to that. But it gives you that repeated ability to bounce and kind of ricochet off of units at, at your leisure. Um, yeah, I, and to know, I, Blitz on average gives you 7-inch extra movement. So an auto exactly. 6 is only 1 inch less on average. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's more consistent. You're never going to roll 2, or 3, or 4, or 5. <laughs> it's and always that, a 6. It's worth noting that this says each time your model advances. So it's not once per game. Every time he advances, just give him 6 inches. So mm-hmm. you're getting a baby Blitz every turn. You're just not getting the 2 extra attacks, but... Being able to move six inch or eighteen inches guaranteed every turn is a hell of a movement phase for this model. Yeah, this is probably my my favorite six threat range, baby. Yeah, this is probably my favorite um, pivotal role behind Prince of Sins, just because it has that repeated constant utility, and I don't like being shoehorned into being forced to uh, deep strike with uh, Spectre of Despair personally. Yeah, the must is really painful. Like if it wasn't a must, it would probably be worth it. 
Because but... I'd have to check that, because that really limits your ability to go into things like Eldar with Forewarn or, you know, Marines with Auspex Scan, where you you want to drop him in the back line and just nuke something. But if you're forced to put him in, in reserves, then you might be forced to drop him in your own back line, wasting at least one turn of movement you could have gotten putting him where you needed him. And he can't be somewhere turn one at all. He has no well, that, That's exactly what I mean. That's exactly what I mean. You waste that in, turn uh, because he's, he's stuck even, in the air. You can't even take him in through your webway gate or something cheeky like that. Like, he's just, yeah. So, our elites are are really looking yeah. good this game. So, and they, they got a lot of love compared to how they were in 7th, or, so, bleh, compared to 8th edition, especially the Death Jester's glow up. He was always good, like, he always took at least one in 8th edition, but now we want, we probably want two in virtually every list, and my boy the Solitaire is back. But transitioning over to our HQ choices, you want to break down all of the uh, minutia we got going on for our troop master. Okay, so this is uh this guy is beautiful troop master. Oh my gosh, I love troop master. So uh this guy especially is our combo king. He actually can quite literally be a king, but he's the combo guy. But so we're gonna really be going deep dive into this guy uh uh next time. Uh, yeah, next episode, we're going to give him a real deep dive. But, uh, interestingly, so first off, he has the Troop Master's Weapon ability. I mean, he has all his stats and then plus one attack. So now he's six attacks instead of five. And he can be equipped with a Power Sword, uh, a Crest, an Embrace, or a Kiss with the standard stats. He always has Plasma Grenades. And then you can, you know, Standard Pistol, Shuriken Pistol, Fusion Pistol, or Neuro Disruptor. You know, Neurodisruptor, I'm still kind of weirded that it's two words. For the longest time, I thought it was one word. I did too, honestly. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> it's because Neuro doesn't really seem like a word by itself. It seems like, like, a, like a prefix. It seems like a qualifier. And actually, so speaking of Troop Masters, their ability, Choreographer of War, which is an aura, is also where our show name comes from. It's been nerfed a little. But it's still pretty useful because uh, now it works on haywire bikes, for example, because they're exactly. core. It works, and it works on now. troops because they're still core. I don't care what my book says. <laughs> <laughs> that is the dumbest typo of all time. Forgetting to put core on a unit literally called troops. Like, come on, guys, come on. It's in the name. Mm-hmm. So yes, uh, choreographer of war aura. While a friendly Harlequin's core unit. Is within six inches of this model. Each time an attack is made by a model in that unit, reroll a wound roll of one. So the big thing is you go from reroll all wounds in melee to reroll only wound rolls of one. But it works in melee and shooting. And it also, uh, so that means it works on, for example, the haywire of bikes. But it doesn't work on boats. That's important to note. Not on boats, because boats are not core. We only have two core units. Coincidentally, there are only multi-model units. Mm -hmm. Except, wait, we have two, darn it, we have three now. I keep forgetting Void Weavers are now multi-model. I know, I know, it's so foreign to us to consider them to be multi-model uh, uh, units. I don't squad them in my list either. I only take three in individuals so I can split them up. Although I still think three is, we didn't really talk about, we're going to talk about this next time. But three as one squad can also be a great to the last. Although, yes. As we'll cover, that's in the same category as probably our best secondary, so it's not as mm -hmm. common as you'd expect. Yeah. But yeah, so he also has a Choreographer of War, as we said, Harlequin's Panoply, Luck of the Laughing God, Rising Crescendo, and he has Troop Master Weapons, which gives him the keyword of whichever weapon he takes. 
So, no, there is no keyword for power swords, unfortunately. Rude. Or blades. <laughs> but it gives him the keyword to use the stratagems for the other ones. Now, you shouldn't ever, ever, ever try to roll a single mortal wound on a four plus. Okay, almost ever try to roll a single mortal wound <laughs> on a four plus. I'm not going to say Watch never. Watch me. Because, like, there's going to be a time when you need that one mortal wound. And you're going to spend the one command point on a charging troop master. But most of the time, don't do that. That is bad. Yeah, the worst part is you have to do it before combat, so you have to preeminent be like, okay, I want to secure this one wound. Well, you can't it's even like, wait if till... you want to, like, if there's, like, a tan with four wounds, I could understand taking the risk to kill him in one turn. Because mm -hmm. you do the wounds in the charge phase when you use that strap. But we'll cover that later. Yeah, exactly. Pretty, pretty much any unit that has to have its wounds segmented into different phases, like, can take a maximum number of wounds, like Gazgul. Like, that. that's a... Sure, that's a, a niche case. Yeah. But also... You know. We do have one, thankfully we have one source of five phase wounds, or charge phase wounds, in addition to our psychics, which we'll get to next, actually. But, yep. um, so, note, though, his melee weapons are now ten points each, because he's, he's baller, he's hitting, basically, on two pluses instead of three pluses, and making six attacks instead of four attacks, so the net is, he's hitting, like, uh, five times, while the average troop is hitting, like, 2.66 times, so he's basically doing double the damage, so his weapons cost twice as much. But also you can give him relics and warlord traits, which are awesome. But they're more of the comboing. So we're going to cover those a little later today. And then we'll cover the combos uh, next time. But he does have pivotal rules. Oh my gosh. I love the pivotal rules titles for him. Yes. Because he gets to be a king, queen, or prince. So, uh, you want to start with your favorite? All right. Oh my gosh. Queen of Shards. I love this one. <laughs> this is the best. This is the best. I love, this is so good. All right. We'll cover, we'll, you'll, you'll probably figure out why once we get to the uh, relics, but we'll cover this next yes. week. Queen of Shards. Troop Master. Pivotal roll. 25 points. This guy does not come cheap. Each time this model makes a melee attack on an unmodified wound roll of five plus and vulnerable saving throws cannot be made against that attack. So in dark, you're hitting at AP3 on all your weapons. Mm -hmm. And then you just negate invulnerable saves. Say goodbye to demons, say goodbye to Aramon, say goodbye to anything that's invulnerable yep. save focus. Like, just nip it in the bud. Yeah, we'll talk about how, how silly that can get once we get to the relics at some point, but you can see just how silly this can get when you can start fishing for 5 plus wounds, how you pretty much have a caress built into whatever weapon you're using. Mm-hmm. It's basically a free two command points on your uh, Troopmaster for 25 yeah. points. It's insane. And uh, speaking of free command points, uh, what do you do if you roll too many ones on your to-hit rolls? Uh, what should you take then for your pivotal roll, you think? So my personal favorite for the pivotal rolls, just to be different mostly, is <laughs> Veiled King. Each time the, mo uh, the model makes a melee attack, unless the target is a vehicle or a monster unit, an unmodified wound roll of 2 plus is always successful. So this gives your troopmaster the ability to both hit and automatic wound on 2s. So you're, you're almost guaranteeing 6 straight attacks every combat. Yep, you're getting like uh uh, especially if you throw two luck dice, you're getting basically six in against yep. non-vehicles and non-monster creatures. It's insane. Because, uh, unfortunately, though, you are only hitting at strength four, or with most relics, strength five, and as we'll cover, sometimes you can get to strength six or seven, even, yeah. as we'll cover next week. But, uh, usually you expect to be strength five on your shoot masters, realistically. 
So yeah. that's pretty good when you go from like hitting wounding a custodes on four plus to two plus. That's that's assassin terror. That's basically a second solitaire right there. Exactly. Yeah, we're gonna talk about some some combos and some um some setups that you can use on your troop master to like like Rob just said effectively turn him into another solitaire, and that's what's gonna make a lot of these lists so dangerous, especially in the melee focus armies like Dark, that you have those two missiles that need to be dealt with, or else they're going to wipe entire halves of your board by themselves. And uh, speaking of uh, missiles. You can also just put Prince of Light on your Troopmaster. This, I think, is actually ironically good in Twilight. And it's while a friendly Sadith core unit is within six inches of this model, each time a charge roll is made for that unit, add one to the results. So, um, yeah, that's pretty good. Unfortunately, rerolls to charges are, I don't think we ha really have any good sources of those. But plus one is plus one. And yeah. it's to all your troops. So if you're doing mass troops and you need to make those melee charges, that's 20 points that's worth probably, uh, a couple command points. You can't really say like it's just a raw math thing where it's like it's the 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 trade of resources is just good. Yeah, in, in a world where transports become a little less mandatory, I could see I could see much more of an argument for this being relevant. But right now, I just don't see it having the design space unless you have unless you're running two or more troop masters and just have the uh, the ability to make those kind of missiles. I don't really see the 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 point for it to stand. But again, like I said, if, if you're running a troop master heavy list, this guy will put in work. Like this is still a a blanket net gain for your army. Mm -hmm. Uh So speaking of troops on foot why don't you cover uh our uh, gal the shadow seer for us uh what what's so awesome about her so the shadow seer remained a largely the same as far as at least its base profile goes you know it's it's generic uh, stats haven't changed a whole whole lot you know it's still got its uh six up um armor save it's still got its uh, excuse me, 4-up and vulnerable save. Still going to be hitting and wounding on a 2. 8-inch move, strength and toughness 3. 5 wounds. Uh, 4 attacks. Did it used to have 3 or was it always 4? It was 3 before. And, uh, That's what I thought. It gained the plus 1 damage to force weapons now because it technically doesn't have force in the... It has a misstave instead of a force stave weapon-wise. Mm -hmm. So they didn't well, give yeah. it the plus 1 strength when they were giving other force weapons plus 1 strength at the beginning of the ninth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So its weapons profile got a little bit of a makeover, a lot of which is in line with the rest of the codex. You know, it now carries but a now, like a dark shadow seer is hitting at strength six, AP two, damage D three four times on a two plus. That is so much exactly. better than three times on a uh, two plus at strength six, AP at strength five, AP one, damage D three. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, as Rob as Rob just implied, the Miss Dave's new profile is still. Um, hitting on twos, so it doesn't have any sort of minus like a power weapon. Uh, strength plus three, so strength six base. AP minus one native with D3 damage. So it got a little bit of a glow up from what it was in this 8th edition, where I believe it was only strength five yeah. in 8th edition. Yeah, so it's now strength six and doing D3 damage. But as Rob mentioned, even putting that extra minus one on the AP is going to do a whole lot of work for you. Yeah, and that's, it's basically one extra strength, one extra attack, one extra AP in dark. That's insane. And it retains, so she retains her hallucinogen grenade launcher, which is great, which is still assault, still D3, and pretty much remained the same as far as I remember. It's got blast now, but you still roll 2D6 against the target unit's leadership, and if you uh, beat it, so you cannot tie it, you have to beat it. Yeah, if the old version was tie it with yes. one shot for D3 mortal wounds. Now it's just yes. D3 attacks, beat it for yes. one. Yes. 
Yes, that's how it went. You're right, you're right. It was one shot for D3 mortal wounds. This is D3 shots for one mortal wound. That's right. Okay. And uh, so it gets a new Neurodisruptor. And still has Harlequin's Panoply, Lick the Rest of the Army, Luck of the Laughing God, Rising Crescendo. Uh, Shield from Harm now says when a friendly Harlequin core or character unit is within six inches of this model, each time an attack is made against that unit, subtract one from the attack's wound roll. This now base applies to our bikes and still includes the Solitaire, because it just says Harlequin's character. It doesn't say Sadith, just says character. So this thing can still help benefit your Solitaire by being in the same general the vicinity of him. And the uh, Shadow Seer by herself knows uh, two psychic powers uh, from the Phasmancy as well as Smite. So I think that's uh, how she was, you know, post buff, post chapter approved buff, where she got the extra psychic power in 8th edition. But um, yeah, she's largely remains pretty much the same, which I think is a good thing because her profile was in a really good spot in 8th edition. She was a yeah. model that we were never really like, oh, I gotta, no, I can't believe I have to put this in my list. It always <laughs> saw utility, and it always kind of gave, it kind of, it always earned its points, even just as that, you know, minus one to wound aura. That's Which, doing a lot of let's work Let's talk about you. how that changed. Shield from Harm. Yeah, exactly. So as I mentioned, Shields from Harm now also applies to our bikes, as, yeah. as well as so including the Solitaire and other characters. So I love that. Having... Yeah, having the basic inclusion of bikes and no longer needing that stratagem, which only applied to a single unit in a single turn, or, you know, had to be re-upped every turn as actually a single unit in a single phase of a single turn. For two command had, points. And that was four yeah. command points a turn if you wanted it both. If you wanted it yeah, and all shooting and combat, you could be damaged in, that was six command points. Yeah, that's a lot of, so, per battle that's a lot of damage. Now you just get it. So throwing yeah. this thing in the middle of a squad of Skyweavers, I know Skyweavers are kind of waxing and waning in the in Harlequin list right now, but throwing this in the middle of a blob of sky, Skyweavers increases their defenses exponentially. Especially if you're paired in an already defensive mask like Light, where you're already 12 inches away, they're going to be minus one to hit, you know, hitting on fours natively because of Light. These are going to make sky, Skyweavers really hard to pull off the battlefield in mass. Speaking of uh, trying to make them... Uh hard to hit, uh, Pivotal Rolls, the big one for Shadow Seer that everyone's talking about, is, uh, where is it? Mere Architect. Yes. So the big thing is, you pretty much pay a five-point premium for all of these auras, because they're auras and they're amazing. Well, okay, the last one isn't an aura, but it's still good. Mm -hmm. And you don't, and you still pay basically five points more than you probably would on a Troop Master. But hey, it's worth yeah. it. Mere Architect, Aura. While a friendly Sadith unit is within any Sadith unit, this includes boats, is yes. within six inches of this model. Each time an enemy unit is selected to shoot when measuring the range to any model in that Sadith unit, that model in that Sadith unit is considered to be an additional six inches away from the shooting model. So this kind of needs an FAQ for some of the weird things it can cause, but we're not going to uh -huh. go into that. Let's try to avoid that because that is, we could talk about that for like an hour. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll tackle that not only when we get some clarification on it, but when we delve into our actual combos and list-building synergies yeah. in the future episode. Right now, we're just telling everybody what we have and how they work. So, basically, minus, it's the same old minus six inches, except now it's plus six inches to the enemy instead of minus six inches. I think that was the old version. Anyways, yeah. Agents of Pandemonium. This one we used to have as well. Uh, why don't you cover it? It's 30 points. So now you're, it yeah. actually makes your Shadow Seer 130 points if you take this, but... Yeah, it's a little pricey, but this was uh, carried over from uh, one of... I'm sorry. This was carried over from something we had in... Didn't we have something like this in 8th edition? It wasn't we one did. of her pivotal roles like this? Psychic Awakening. That's what, yeah, that's what I meant, yeah. 
Um, so this one says, when an enemy unit is within six inches of this model, subtract one from the attack characteristics of the models in that unit. And Super now that Shadowseers are good in melee, this is so amazing. Yes, and especially in melee-focused armies, we're going to be putting those aura blobs into close combat like that, pulling one attack off of Terminators, off of uh, Gene Stealers, off of a lot of these heavy-hitting, even Orcs, where you're going to be taking down, you know, 80 attacks off or of like, a lot of boys. Or like, we saw the leaked, uh, we saw those leaked Tyranids, now that they're attacking within two and a half inches, hitting the whole horde is going to be a big deal. Yes, yes. Because you, you only have to tag a single model in the unit for it to affect the whole unit, don't you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so as long as one unit in, or one model in that unit is within six inches of you, the entire unit loses one attack from their attack characteristic. Across a big blob of, like of uh, like Rob said, you know, uh, Gaunts, Gene Stealers, Orcs, they're going to be losing a bunch of attacks off of this ability. And then if they don't have a bunch of attacks, they're probably quality attacks, and boom. Gone. Yeah, precisely. Taking it off of uh, Gene Sealer. I'm sorry, Gene Sealer. Grand Knight Paladins. <laughs> taking it off oh, of Custodes. Yeah. Custodes don't like it when you take away their attacks. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah, they, they don't get many of them. So when they lose, you know, taking one attack off of, you know, a Gene Stealer is one thing because they're losing 25% of their or 20% of their power. Taking one attack off of a Custody, that's a lot of damage you're preventing just by being around them. That's what, 25% of their attacks into us, basically, I think? Yeah. It's crazy. That gives us into our, our last uh, pivotal rule that we need to cover, um, period. So uh, this is the uh, 12th pivotal rule. Gloom Spider uh, for Shadow Seers. So you just select an enemy unit within 12 inches during your command phase. And until the start of your next command phase, enemy units cannot benefit from that enemy unit's aura ability. So you basically turn off auras for one enemy. They can't, I love this ability. They just don't give auras anymore, including to themselves. So, like, yep, you can just I be like Mortarion, no more chapter mastering yourself. <laughs> yep. Or anybody else. Yeah, or anybody and else. Off, and it turns off all of their auras, not just one. You don't select an aura and turn it off. They just don't have auras. Yep. Which is, so, once again, really good into Mortarion. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. He so loves th his this pairs. This pairs really well with... um with the light-specific relic, blowing out that range a little bit and keeping the solitaire a little bit... Uh, solitaire, but the Shadow Seer a little bit safer from that, you know, uh, retaliation damage. But having to be 12... I mean, 12 inches is, like, the maximum you could really expect out of something like this. You can't expect an ability to trigger off of, you know, 18, 24 inches, but having to put a Shadow Seer that danger close is a little risky. But as we've talked about ad nauseum at this point... Harlequins in general are extremely beefy, and she's got the chops to keep herself there and kind of hold her own ground. Yeah. I honestly really like this ability. It's a shame that Mirror Architects and Agents of Pandemonium are a little more aggressively pushed in the current game space, mm -hmm. and you just can't really justify a third solitaire right now. Third Shadow Seer. Sh yeah. Shadow That's Seer, the problem. I've actually looked at yeah. lists with three Shadow Seers, and I definitely take Gloom Spider if I take three Shadow Seers, but then I'm like... Okay, but I could take a Troopmaster instead. Mm, and that exactly. just seems like the better choice. Mm hmm. Because, I mean, for the 100 and, what is it, 110, 115 points that you'd pay for that ability, you would be. You, you, you're effectively cutting out two full players, or five full players. You're cutting out about five full players. You're cutting out uh, one fully kitted Death Jester and some other goodies, or uh, two vanilla Death Jesters. You're cutting out one Void Weaver. End of conversation. Mm hmm. But no, all three of these pivotal roles look at least 
tangible and something that we could put on the battlefield, I wouldn't be upset to see any of these in your list. I still think Mirror Architect is the way to go, regardless of the army you're playing, just for even that turn one survivability, it's really valuable. But you guys but heard it here first, Body place. gives you permission to take any pivotal you want on your Shadow Seer. <laughs> <laughs> he will not be disappointed in you, no matter what you choose. He believes in you. But the Shadow Seer and the Death Gesture specifically, they both are the ones that really don't feel like they have a dud in their pivotal roles. All three of them look good, all three of them have a place in a list. They definitely do. And uh, speaking of those, uh, once you've chosen a character, you usually want a pivotal role, even though they cost points. But then what you really want is your Relic and Warlord trait on them. So uh, Warlord traits, what about those, huh? We only have four base ones, so we're only going to cover those this time. Yeah, exactly. So, well, well, technically we have six, but you can only choose up to four because one is one of them is going to be like your um, say the specific. Or yeah, you but can choose our... up to four. We have three base ones, and I can't count exactly. Today. We have four no, no, if no. you count yeah. the really, really base one. But never take that, please. I we will yeah. be disappointed if you take plus one to your leadership as your warlord trait. Yeah, with all the other goodies we have, please don't. Yeah, so a foot in the future. What is? Oh, this baby is so buffed from the previous version. Oh my god, this thing is so good. So foot in the future says, Each time the warlord advances, do not make an advance roll. Instead, until the end of the phase, add d3 plus 3 inches to the warlord's movement characteristic. Cool, so you're auto-advancing at least 4. Cool, but each time you make a charge roll for your warlord, you can add 6 to this roll. Not d6, not change one of your dice to a 6, just add add six. So the downside is that they realized we would be charging 18 inches if we wanted with this. So they took that away. You don't get <laughs> any extra charge range, but you can declare something within that's as long as it's within 12 inches, you could still in theory go 18 inches to get to like the back of a gaunt unit or something. So like your average charge range is 11 inches with this ability. That's 13 bonkers. inches. Because it's 6 plus 2. Oh, 13, you're right. Yeah, math is hard. Yeah, Yeah, 13 inches. Math is hard. 13 inches. So your average charge range is longer than your declaration range. I am just like, think. You know that meme where they're like, think. I'm like, think of how far (laughs) you can go with this. I mean, so your charge isn't guaranteed, but they're going to be hard to miss at this point. It is if it's 8 inches. You get a guaranteed 8 inch charge with this baby. I mean, yeah. 8 inches. I mean, unfortunately, GW thought ahead, and we're not allowed to reroll charges with a, with our luck dice. So that but... means you have a one in about a thousand chance of not making a nine inch charge if you deep strike with a foot in the future. Exactly. One in a thousand failure that... chance. Are you willing to take that risk? Exactly, and the fact that we can charge <laughs> after advancing means you're moving a minimum of twelve inches on your advance between you know twelve and what is it, fourteen inches on your advance, and you have a and minimum then... for a range of twenty inches. Yeah. Exactly. So this is what we were talking about prior with Troopmaster, that you can literally turn him into a miniature solitaire. And he's not that many compared to the solitaire, let me tell you. Yeah, but or like you can what... make a Shadow Seer with just like multiple negative auras, and they just bad touch the enemy. They're just like, nope, I'm not letting you do that this turn. Naughty touch. Yeah. Bad touch. <laughs> bad! <laughs> And All we right. talked about it a little bit prior that Foot in the Future is also nice on Shadow Seers, purely just for the sake of keeping up with the rest of your army. So You know, trying to yeah. keep those auras moving around your boats, around your bike, so they're not embarked on the transport and losing that aura capability. Yep, just that's keep, why I keep her outside. It. Yeah, yeah, keep her outside, give her foot in the future. That way she's always moving at least twelve inches and keeping up with all of your with all of your uh, vehicles. Yep. And then uh 
So, uh, speaking of combos, favor of Kegarak. Why don't you, yes. uh, I'll, I'll tell them actually this time. Mm-hmm. So, yep. TLDR, once per turn, you can replace one of that character's roles. Once per turn, not battle round, per turn with a six. Yep. So that means if you're a death jester, you just replace, you roll a one, you just make that a six and you can hit four times, four times with a single bullet. You're like, for the record, for clarification's sake, it does say once per turn, like you said, you can re- uh, you can uh, change a hit, wound, or saving throw. Yes. It does not change damage or charge, but it's hit, wound, or save. I don't think we have any damage. Oh, I don't we, think have we have damage any variable damage either. Spheres. Never mind. Yeah, I guess that's technically true. But yeah, it doesn't work on charges is the main thing. Ah. But as Rob mentioned, it works on both players' turns, so you can use it once on your turn to guarantee an exploding six, and also once on your opponent's turn to save a, to save a luck dice on a or save. Or Overwatch with another exploding six. Like, oh, you want to charge my death jester? <laughs> Prepare to eat it. <laughs> it's oh really. Oh my god! Mean. I never even it's thought really about mean. that. That's hilarious. Yeah, you guarantee four shots of Overwatch. It's so it's so. Gross. That's hilarious. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, so so this is the combo that we that we alluded to prior with the Death Jester. With Harvester of Torment, along with this Warlord trait, this guy can deal up to, including the Bladestorm meme, 15 at- hits off of 3 attacks. Uh-huh. He's, now realistically, you're landing somewhere in like the 8 to 9 category. Um, I think Bladestorm only bumps eight up to nine. like an average of 9. Only 8 but to 9 yeah. hits. Yeah, only. Off a 70-point character. All of which at strength 6, AP, at least AP 2, flat 2 damage. Yep. Like, yes, please, I will take more of that, thank you. Alright, now this is the interesting one, I think, because, like, a lot of us are taking it now, but I think it got yeah. the least interest at the beginning when we first saw the Codex, and that exactly. is Fractal Storm. This was the one where we were like, why would I spend the extra command points? And now I'm like, I start with 7 command points because I take every Warlord trait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I like this so, one. This one is, it's a good one to have in your pocket. Oh, yeah. So, as Rob said before, like, Favor of Kegarak and Foot in the Future were both kind of, they, they kind of spoke for themselves in exactly what they did. Like, the combo was kind of obvious. Like, oh, yeah, you put that on a Death Jester. You put that on a Missile Troop Master. And then we learned that you can give one model two Warlord traits and realize, oh, I can give you Foot in the Future and Fractal Storm, and I can make you fast and really hard to kill. Fractal Storm says each time an attack is made against this warlord, your opponent cannot reroll the hit, wound, or damage roll for that attack. So this is so, like the Prince of Sins sort of for uh... exactly, exactly. So pr- even Prince of Sins, you know, allows the, the uh, hit roll to not be rerolled, which is nice, which is good, which is valuable. But giving a troop master, you know, like I said, a baby solitaire Fractal Storm, you're not rerolling the hit, you're not rerolling the wound, you're not rerolling to damage. And he's going to be at least, you know, he's going to have at least a four up in bowl on his way in. So, mm-hmm. and could good luck, I guess. Minus one to wound. Uh, you can, you're in melee. If you're in melee, you're minus one to hit. Mm-hmm. I've even considered some funny stuff of using this, of using a fractal storm with lightning fast reflexes as like a, uh, just like a, like if, if I misposition, hey, they're still hard to kill. If I, screw, yeah. like if you try to fog them and it doesn't go off. Just fractal storm them. Or, exactly. Well, I hope you. Hopefully, you already selected fractal storm and then lightning fast reflexes them. Yeah. And uh, that actually, oddly enough, ends our warlord traits. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but they're all good, and you still get one more. And it turns out at two thousand points, you only need four. So hey. Yeah. It actually works out surprisingly well, even though it feels kind of bad when we say it. But that leads us to relics. So uh, 
Kegarax Rose is back. Still counts as a kiss. It gives you the kiss keyword. Which, mm, cool. On anyone, you can take it on, e.g. your troop master. It's strength 5, AP 2, damage 3. And if you're in dark, it's AP 3. If you're in twilight, you're hitting with 7 attacks with this. At strength 5, Mm -hmm. AP 2, damage 3. And, oh yeah, you're re-rolling all your wound rolls. So you've got the flat 3 damage of the old version against all opponents Mm -hmm. now. You're hitting at strength 5, which is a great number. You're at least AP 2. Which is better than the old kiss. Once or, again, uh, yeah. Rose, rather. <laughs> and re-rolling the wound rolls. So put this on a yeah. dark Rose Queen, and you're hitting that strength 5, AP 3, damage 3 flats with a Rose Queen in dark. And, uh, oh yeah, on a 5+, plus you pierce invulns as well. And mm-hmm. there's even more combos you can do with that, but we'll get to that later. Yep, exactly. So why don't you tell us about the arguably the best, the possibly the only good pistol relic in the game, Christian. <laughs> so I love this thing and I wish I had more like places to put it. I honestly might. I might Why do we only there. have three relics left? Like I I'm I'm definitely <laughs> gonna take this in Crusade though. I'm so taking I this know. in Crusade. I know. So it, it's ironic, no, but we'll get back to this, but it's ironic that I think relics are probably our weakest point in this codex still, and there's still so many that I want. Like I want honestly literally all of them. <laughs> so Crescendo is a relic a shuriken pistol, so it can go on any model with a shuriken pistol. Effectively, your troop masters or your solids, or, or um, uh, shadow seers. It is a um, 12 inch pistol six, just straight six shots. <laughs> strength four, AP three, flat two with shuriken. So this thing is shooting at 12 inches, six shots, strength four, cool, that are going to be AP three. So I'm chewing through virtually every armor save. And if you hit a wound roll of six, it's AP five. Yeah, like if you ever wanted your shadow seer to also be a short range death jester, hello. Yeah, because you're comboing this with her with her psychic prowess on top of her, on mm-hmm. top of her hallucinogen grenade launcher, which she still gets to shoot. And this no, you this can't can shoot put that up... when you pistol. Pistols, uh, you can only pistol if you pistol or grenade. I believe you can only fire the pistol or grenade. Uh, the grenade's assault. Not on the. No, no, no. I don't. I'm pretty sure when you shoot pistols, you can't shoot any other weapon. If I'm ah, okay, right. I could be wrong. That might only be on grenades. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the case, but it's, it's not not a, not a huge deal. Not a big but deal. I, anyway, either way, this thing is impressive in and of itself. Being that again, like I said, strength four, so it's at matching most toughness in the game, short of like death guard or higher toughness targets, higher toughness like like elites and armored choices. It, this thing is going through most most infantry without an issue. I, I honestly really like this thing. Like I said, this thing isn't, unfortunately, it's not my first or second choice for a relic, but it's pretty close to, like, third or fourth. Yep. Do you want to tell us what your second choice for the relic is? Your favorite uh, Death Jester relic? Oh, I was going to do Laughing God's Eye next, actually. Did I? That's what I was getting at. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I, sorry. So I'm sorry. I, I meant Shadow Seer. take this on Shadow Seers. Yeah, but I'm sorry. Actually, I meant Shadow Seer. It's really cool because you can put it on a Death Jester, and it can still be good. If you yeah. put it on a ghoul death jester, a rift ghoul, I think it has mm-hmm. play. Because you want yeah. this generally on someone who's more aggressive. Because what it mm-hmm. does is it offers a 5 plus F and P against mortal wounds. That is, while a friendly harlequin's unit is within 6 inches of this model, each time a model in that unit would lose a wound as a result of a mortal wound, roll 1d6. On a 5 plus, that wound is not lost. So you shrug all mortal wounds on a 5 plus. That defends against not only psychic, but against all mortal wounds. Yes. So, like, that means that's our biggest weakness, arguably, and that helps negate it. Oh, yeah, 100%. 
Short of abilities that straight up ignore invulns, which there are a handful of, they're not super common, but there's a handful of, yeah. straight mortal wounds is our bane right now, and this mm -hmm. gives us a lot of insurance against that. Not, I mean, even comboed with Webway Dance, just having that ability to kind of spread out that aura is really powerful. All right. And then we have Starmus Raymond. Do you want to cover that? This one is actually similar to Fractal Storm. Yeah, no, so I like the Raymond a lot. Again, like I said, I, I want to take almost all of these relics. But so Starmus Raymond says Harlequin model only, because, you know, Harlequins. Each time an attack is made against the bearer, that attack's hit roll and wound roll cannot be rerolled. And once per battle in your command phase, you can declare the bearer the, will mimic Alos. If you do so until the start of your next command phase, the bearer has a 3 plus invulnerable save. So once per turn, this thing can become a 3 plus invuln just like the solitaire. And always, it can never have your hit rerolled against it, nor your wound rerolled against it. Really amping its, tank its tankiness and survivability just out the gate. These are just the only I love our relics. They're all good. The only struggle I find on this is that your shadow seers tend to want to be more utilitarian or aura bots. And your death jesters, I mean, I guess I could see this on a death jester just for survivability, but your troop masters almost always want to have an offensive relic like the Sword of the Rose. So I find a hard time finding a place to put this, but I think this might be my number three relic in the in the codex. Okay. So, relics. Um, last, we have uh, the. Uh, almost last. We still have like two or three left. Two left. Um, uh, two. You want to go over your, your okay, DJ so Knife School? Storied Suit of Hidden Knives. So, yep. you put this on DJ Knife School. So, this is the DJ <laughs> with Rift School, Death Jester with Rift School. And this adds on to his mortal wound potential. It can, give, it can be given to any Harlequin model, though. Mm hmm. And you'll, you guys will notice, though, it's very different than the old version. It's basically uh, similar to an old pivotal role we had for Troop Masters. So yeah. at the end of the fight phase, the bear at the end of the fight phase, no, end of the fight phase, not after you attack, the bear Correct. can make three additional melee attacks, and these attacks cannot target Titanic units. When resolving these attacks, each time a hit is scored, the target suffers one mortal wound and the attack sequence ends. Note, because of the way these are warded, you could, in theory, use other weapons. Like, it's not a weapon you can attack with, so you can't just, like, turn all your attacks to hits become a mortal wound. So it's mm -hmm. not a weapon. It just uh, modifies your attack sequence at the end of the turn with three special attacks. Yeah, it's, it's a supplement. It isn't a replacement weapon in and of itself. It's not yeah. like, like a... Uh... It's not like, not like a tail where it's a weapon that has to use its own profile. Speaking of uh, replacement weapons, though, why don't you cover the uh, the the cheapo troopmaster choice? This replaces an Eldari power sword, and it's called the Storied Sword, which I loved back in the day. Oh yeah, Rob and I were always both very like quiet, unsung heroes of the or you know um, champions of the Storied Sword. We both really loved this thing even back in Eighth Edition. It just really didn't make the cut with all the powerful relics we had back then. But now it's kind of moved up in in the world and it's kind of found a place in a lot of lists. The uh, Storied Sword now, as Rob said, replaces the Power Sword, so effectively it's only going on a Troopmaster. But what it says is now has a strength characteristic of plus two. AP three with flat two damage, so it's much like the um, you know the generic melee weapons we have, but it's got a generic AP of minus three. But each time an attack is made with this weapon, that attack automatically hits the target. So it's a flamer pistol, super super cool. Really a big fan of this, and this combos really really well with Veiled King, where you're automatically hitting, automatically wounding on twos. This thing's got a a really nice damage output in by itself. 
Yeah. This is especially, this is, I think, the, this is my weapon of choice in light. Well, Kigarax Rose is my weapon of choice in dark. But Correct. we'll cover that next week. <laughs> we are, we are, I think we're done now. That was our, yeah, uh, that's our itinerary it. for today. We, we gave you guys the relics, the stratagems, the data sheets, the pivotal roles. Lower I guess. traits. Did we, co- do we want to cover psychic powers? Nah, we'll cover psychic powers next time. Yeah, we'll save that for next week. You gotta have something to go over with stratagems, right? Yeah. Well, all the combos too, <laughs> and oh, the secondary yeah, objectives, and so on and so forth. We've got lots right, to come, right. guys. <laughs> Make sure to tune in. We uh... absolutely. We've got a lot more to talk about. Yeah. We're going over the codex is just the, it's just the, the just the tip start. of the iceberg. All right. Anyway, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for all of your wonderful support last week on our first primary episode. It really was uh, humbling to both of us. We're really looking forward to what we have to bring you in the future. Once again, my name is Batty. And I'm Rob. And we will see you all next time. Adios.